Hello, you're listening to Common Ride with Me, a podcast about stunt-filled shows full of heroes. I'm James Dorrington, and I'm your expert. I'm James Baker, and I'm your newcomer. This week, we take a look at Common Rider Movie War 2010, but just the Common Rider double parts. Then we take a look at episodes 14 through 16 of Common Rider 01. And... Shin. Oh, hey, what's up? <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, how are you feeling this week, man? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm not feeling as festive as I usually am, but it is what it is. But Merry Christmas, guys. This is going to be an excellent episode. This is an early Christmas gift for you guys. Yeah, happy holidays and to all the trans rights. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's a weird holiday. Um it definitely feels weird that I'm not excited for Star Wars and I'm kind of not hot on Harry Potter right now because of like what happened. But uh, like there's lots of things that should feel like exciting or interesting just aren't really hitting it for me. What's going on with Harry Potter? Why would you bring that up? Oh, uh, there's the whole controversy for a while. J.K. Rowling has been saying some stuff that's like very against like trans women and like it's just a oh, whole debacle. And like for me, like I really like associate Harry Potter with like the holiday season just because like of like all the scenes in the books and the movies and the fact that the movies came out around the holidays. Like there's all those like Christmas scenes in the movies. So like I want to like read the books, but then that just soured me on them and be like, ah, I don't want to really live in your world as much as I loved it growing up now that you've said some things. In a few words, can you tell me like what she's been saying? Basically, she's been like retweeting and like expressing support. In the UK, there was this woman that um, had her contract up to be rehired, but she had been consistently like harassing her coworkers and saying some really like messed up stuff that was like very transphobic. And like it became like a whole thing where she tried to sue her employer for not rehiring her, not even firing her, just like at the end of her like 18 months or whatever contract, not rehiring her. And it became like a whole legal case. And the person lost the case and the judge just made it clear why. And then like, like a lot of the support was just very yeah just like i will like say plainly like i'm like a i have lots of friends and like people that like i love like who are trans and like it's just a non-starter to like be supportive of no i totally agree man i didn't know she was you know supporting that kind of nonsense that's insane man yeah it's a whole thing and yeah and like on like a lighter note I just don't feel the urge to see Star Wars in theaters. <laughs> Not nearly as bad. There's no real reason. Just doesn't really appeal to me. So let's around. just let's just stay here for a second. I'm trying to figure out what's going on. Is it just like a fatigue, or you just need a like what is going on? You just need a break from Star Wars stuff, or I fell off the Mandalorian. Um, I nothing about Episode Nine seemed like important. Like there's not that urgency to see it, which was there for like rogue one and the past two episodes not really for solo but i just think like it, it doesn't feel like it's this like important thing that star wars in the theaters it doesn't feel like the story like i didn't know going into episode nine what 
the story was for a lot of the characters. Like, what's their payoff going to be? What's important? Like, besides like Ray, Kylo, and like Luke, I guess nobody has really had an arc like going into episode like nine for me that I cared about. Did these villains come from watching The Last Jedi or did they start from Force Awakens? Um, I think that's like a good question, but also an unfair question because like The Force Awakens is a beginning. So there's not like there's a lot of pressure that isn't on it to express things for characters that like is on the other two parts of the trilogy. But um, to, to put things in perspective, um, The Force Awakens was the first thing of J.J. Abrams I've ever liked. And The Last <laughs> Jedi was the first thing of Rian Johnson's that I, I didn't like. And I love Rian Johnson's shit. Like Looper, Brick, he does so many great movies. Like Knives Out was great. Um, but The Last, like, I liked what The Last Jedi was doing. It just didn't feel like a lot of the characters got great arcs. And also, like, part of me was just like stuck being the fanboy who loved Return of the Jedi, who was like, and now Luke's going to be like a grandmaster and be all cool. <laughs> And like, <laughs> it, it's part, it, it partially is like that fanboy, like irrational side of me just being like, but Luke wasn't cool enough. He didn't do enough cool force stuff. He didn't do like good guy force lightning. But part of it was just like, also, what's Finn doing? I should care more, or know more about him at this point. But yeah. Yeah. I totally get what you're saying, man. But I don't know. I guess, you know, like that's the crazy <laughs> thing about fandom. Like you have all these expectations of, how the film should go. And then when they're not met, you're kind of upset about it, but I totally get it. I'm just, um, the kind of guy that kind of likes being part of the conversation. So mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever something drops, I'm always trying to be one of the first to finish it or, you know, one of the first to see it first, you know what I mean? So, uh, that's just me, but I totally get why you're not really interested in seeing it for sure. If you're not following, um, James Baker on Twitter, like you have to, cause he is sometimes he's just wilding sometimes he's just like out here like (laughs) okay like i watched like um this documentary on like um how like prisoners of war like got treated in like vietnam so and like now i'm watching like my little pony it's like what are you doing like back to back (laughs) like you go everywhere i don't don't stop bro like it's kind of unhealthy how i digest content like it's like in my eyes and then out you know what i mean but i don't know man what um, right now I'm watching The Witcher. I'm trying to finish that before oh, it's so good. the week's over. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. The first episode, it was kind of weird seeing Henry Cavill play Geralt of Rivia. And I felt like it was kind of distracting as, at moments, but I'm on episode three right now. And I, I feel like he finally like toned it down just enough to like not look like Superman <laughs> with a wig on. <laughs> I just couldn't see that, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, uh, the only Witcher game I've ever played is uh, Witcher Three, but I do know that this is following the uh, books, so this is a uh, uh, interesting to see, like something from the original source content. Yeah, it's um just like very interesting because this feels like a lot of like what I wanted Game of Thrones to be. Like I wanted it to have a sense of humor. I wanted to see like there's like some like real grib and like like not pleasant stuff happening but people are still friendly people are still like communal like it never feels as grim it never feels um like the world is all crap and it lets there be humor which i really love yeah i didn't really want to go into this show comparing it to game of thrones i think that was kind of unfair to like have expectations like that so i kind of like tried not to but couldn't help doing it 
<laughs> at the same time. But um, I believe it was episode two or three with the incest plot. Yeah. I felt like they shouldn't have avoided that <laughs> as as long as possible. That just made the comparison even more uh hard to unsee um with the little the king and the chick or whatever. But for what it is, I'm really enjoying it. I'm looking forward to finishing up the next four episodes this week. Yeah, between The Witcher and The Expanse, I've just been like, oh, there's like good, thoughtful <laughs> genre out right now. And it's been great. Yeah, man. I wish my watch list was that short. Like I'm watching, I just started The Office for the first time. Uh, I'm watching Gargoyles. I got my anime stuff going on and then this and then new movies. And yeah, man, like you said, there's no slowing down for this guy, man. <laughs> no, I've been ruthless. I've been cutting things. Like I'm like, huh, I could watch... The last three episodes of the first season of Agent Carter, or I could like just not. I could like get into this podcast about like what's happening in this, but I'll just not. I've been cutting so much stuff out. Like I have like a whole like Plex server. Like I got rid of like 400 gigs of stuff that I hadn't watched. I was like, oh, this is great. It's perfect. <laughs> Hopefully in 2020, I could like kind of cut things out too, because most of the stuff I watch is just for. You know, just to be part of the conversation. And sometimes you don't need to be part of every conversation. You know what I mean? And uh, I noticed that by doing that, I'm kind of not retaining as enough, uh, as much information as I should be. It's kind of, what was that guy's name again? I kind of like want to be more knowledgeable in everything that I'm watching versus just, you know, binging it and just forgetting what happened, if that makes any sense. No, yeah. Like, um, I was a really quick, like, a very... A fast reader growing up i read lots of books but like then like life happened and whatever and i didn't like read as many books but around the time i was doing more like critical reading for college and like looking at series like song of ice and fire where i really enjoyed it i found myself reading way slower but actually reading what was on the page and being like oh i get <laughs> so much about what is happening forward and backward and throughout just through reading it with the intent, like I've been like writing notes for this show about a podcast on, I've been like watching TV without looking at my phone. I kind of think that maybe like part of adjusting to like such a feast of content that we have is knowing how to have like a small plate. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And that's one thing that podcasting taught me. Uh, before I got into podcasting, I was kind of like, I still kind of do it. I'm not going to say I don't do it. I think everybody eventually checks their phone every now and then while they're watching, you know, eight hours of television in one day. It's kind of hard to not, you know, pick your phone up for a second. But, you know, getting into podcasting, you start to figure out the things that you care about more than the rest. For instance, Common Rider. Uh, I mean, I, I love shows that have subtitles because you can't <laughs> be on your phone while you're watching it. So it's easier to follow along like, you know, certain things that happen. It's easy to catch up on plot holes. It's easy to kind of predict what's happening next once you're, you have your whole focused on something. But when you're watching shows like, you know, like I said, The Office, it doesn't take a genius to watch that show. You could kind of have it on in the background and know what's going on. But at the same time, you do need, you know, your shows to watch when you're winding down. Yeah. And like, that's like a hard degree. Something I think um, for Common Rider, like it, was something that I watched for so long due to it coming out every week and being like fairly confident. But as I've like been dealing with the attention span that we get from things like Netflix and like Spotify, 
just being like, oh, this half an hour, I have to look at it while I'm watching <laughs> yeah. it. That's really uh-huh. hard to like, n- to like over, to like not understate or overstate. I don't know what I mean there, but you know, it's important. No, I totally get it. That's why I enjoy anime so much. It's like you see everything that's on the screen, unless the subtitles are going at a rapid speed, <laughs> you don't miss anything at all. So I really enjoy uh, watching content like that because you're essentially reading and watching something at the same time. So very educational, guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, for um, 2019, that is our feelings on media and growing up in a media environment <laughs> and being adults, I guess. That was bonus content for yeah, you. Yeah, bonus content. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Merry Christmas. Know who was, know who's actually getting the merriest Christmas of like all this year? Who's that? My goddamn girlfriend. <laughs> Whoa, what's going on? Um, when we moved uh, to our current place, we kind of, um, didn't have like a lot of furniture and like moving got rid of some of it too so we just kind of made do with what we had um and we had a like futon on the couch but the couch was kind of crappy and the futon was like whatever so like this time i was like, okay i'm gonna buy us a new couch for christmas and i did and it was great like we picked the perfect one and then uh, it was supposed to be here like early december i get a call like from the movers like half an hour before supposed to be here on the day of saying, yeah, we have like all nine of your cabinets. And I was like, what? <laughs> so then they explained, yeah, we have like all your cabinets. Like, well, they're not mine. Like, yeah, they have your name on it. And I was like, okay, called and figured it out. Um, and then got told, okay, for January, we'll have like your couch there. Now keep in mind, I took a hammer and a knife and destroyed my couch like the night before. So, oh, because man. that was the only way to fit it in the dumpster. Uh huh. And nobody wanted to, like, everyone wanted me to deliver the couch to them. And I was like, I'm not delivering you a couch for like the like 40 bucks I'm asking for it or whatever. You, you have to get it. Nobody yeah. wanted to. So, <laughs> no couch, um, empty living room. We have guests coming for the holiday, that kind of stuff. We have to entertain. Um, so, we moved the futon that like we also needed to replace but like first actually i was like okay what can we do what can we do so then like my girlfriend's like oh no like well blah, 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 like entertaining blah, blah, blah. so i was like okay i'm gonna buy like a bed and a mattress and like we'll like use a futon as a couch and that day bought like a bed and a mattress and brought them home and like set it up and like moved the futon or whatever mm-hmm. probably should have waited for two reasons first within like three hours she like sent me pictures of like the beanbag chair and like the normal chairs in the like living room I was like oh this looks so nice we could totally entertain like this. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. I did just buy the bed and the and the mattress. Then we set up the bed and the mattress. Um, got like four hundred dollars like off the re- like refunded from the replacement couch. And then th- this is now like three days after we got told there were cabinets out of couch. Get a call from the moving company. Hey, like your couch is like half an hour out. I was like, my couch is going to be here <laughs> in January. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Merry Christmas for for real. <laughs> so now we have a new bed, a new mattress, a new couch, and our like futon is also in the space as like extra like seating, I guess. It actually looks good. So I did this whole like puzzle and completely like refurnished our like apartment basically <laughs> in like three days. And then your couch came anyway. That's too funny. I mean, we got like so $400 did you, off, though. So did you talk to the movers, or was it your girlfriend that talked to movers about the cabinets coming and your couch coming in January? 
Um, I talked to the company that we bought it from. Like the movers are just like a local team. So you talked to them and they told you that it was coming in January. Um, we bought from Wayfair and Wayfair was like, okay. They said they have no couches in their whole warehouses. It never came. It was there oh, two man. days later. But um, then I was going to say, I was going to say, it sounds like your girlfriend got you, bro. <laughs> like, uh, but then like I, I told the went. person, it's going to not be here for the holidays. This is terrible. <laughs> $4 off two days late. I'm fine. Worked out the best. Yeah, man. I mean, trick yourself, right? <laughs> yeah. That's me venting about being tricked, I guess, into having a nice apartment. <laughs> yeah, they probably do that to all their customers. Like, if we say it's coming late, they're going to buy more stuff. So, <laughs> Yeah, they got me. Uh, we should probably talk about Common Rider, huh? Are you ready? Merry Christmas! So this week, we looked at... Um, I'm going to actually find the full name of this movie, because we've been shortening it. Um, it's not called Movie War 2010. I'm gonna actually find okay. Um, uh, it's called Common Rider Cross Common Rider Double and Decade Movie War 2010. That's the full title. We've been shorting it, and I think you can <laughs> see why. But uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, so James, tell me, what was your experience of watching this movie? <laughs> well, I would say I didn't get you anything for Christmas, but this is what you got me for Christmas. This excellent, I guess it's a short movie of Common Rider Double. And you guys know how much I love Comrade Double. So this movie or episode or whatever it is was amazing. I absolutely had so much fun watching it. Uh, the Christmas theme, uh, the origin story of, uh, what's the name? Narumi. Uh, the origin story of Philip and Sho. I mean, it just keeps going on and on. And I absolutely love this. Thanks, man. Oh, oh yeah, you're welcome. Like, I- when we were looking at what to do, it just worked out that we just watched Double. We liked it. And I was like, this is a Christmas special. This is perfect. Uh, yeah, it was it was amazing, man. I had so much fun watching it, to be honest. Yeah. But uh, I guess we should share a funny story about how I ended up watching it. So uh, James sent me a link to uh, the episode, but uh, I use a opposite site. He just like types it in. I use the title and I use my site, which is Kiss Asian. And uh, he told me to skip the decade part because I wouldn't get it at all. <laughs> yeah. So he was like, okay, whenever you click on the file, start at 38 minutes. So I go to my site. I started at 38 minutes. I don't know it's the end of the movie that I'm supposed to be watching. All I see is, uh, you know, Philip and show fighting the uh, dope pen. And then it just goes off into decade. So I'm like, okay, that was weird. I was like, maybe that was like the beginning of, you know, this movie coming up. And then I started watching it and I'm like, I have no idea who this character is and I don't know what the fuck is going on. And I never message James about anything that we do. Like as far as like, I'm not liking it or I'm liking it. We rarely talk. We save it all for the podcast, yeah, yeah. but I had to say something because I felt like I was wasting my time. So I was like, <laughs> James, <laughs> I'm 30 minutes into this movie and I don't know what the hell's going on. And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like some guy named uh, Tsukasa. Or he was like, no, like you're supposed to watch that, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I did it. And then long story short, like I said, I I was watch I watched the end of the double movie. And and then I had to go back and rewatch the double movie from beginning, already knowing the end of the movie, but I still enjoyed it. (laughs) It actually made it a little bit better. Like I didn't have any expectations at all. I kind of like knew how it ended, 
And I'm like, maybe I should start watching movies like this. This kind of made it fun. <laughs> so basically, um, this movie is like the like it's the epilogue to Kamen Rider Decade and like an early story slash in this case, like a prequel for Kamen Rider Double. So how it's like set up is it's here's like 35, like 40 minutes of like the epilogue to Kamen Rider Decade. Here's like a cool 40 minutes for Double. Then here's like 15 minutes of them like teaming up in a big like fight scene. For some reason on Kiss Asian, and I've had this problem before, specifically with uh, Kamen Rider, they just had the order wrong. So I was like, you're skipping right past the whole decade thing into double. And you just skipped right to the end of double into decade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. Like, I, I thought I like ruined it for myself when I like watched it. And I saw that the dopant was actually uh, or uh, Narumi was actually a dopant. I'm like, what? That was a spoiler. But that kind of was established at the beginning of the movie. So it wasn't that big of a deal. So, I mean, it is what it is. But. I mean, the highlight of this movie for me was watching Philip take control of the rider suit. Like that was insane. They need to let Philip control more often. I haven't finished the series yet, but I hope that he takes control of it more often because that Fang Joker combo, that was real deal entertainment. Like, yeah. oh my God. He um, went the fuck in. And man, like Philip is that dude now. <laughs> you mentioned wanting to look uh like beyond what we had. Um and yeah, this definitely had a couple spoilers because you do see their little like preview for like the super form. You see their preview for the next writer in the series, but it's also very cool stuff and it works. Um, and like Fang Joker is one of the there's not a bad suit in double, honestly, but Fang Joker definitely stands out as one of the best. Yeah. Then uh, I saw the, uh, the sh- what was it shooter or something like that. That was pretty cool too. the blue, the blue half suit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gun. Uh, trigger. That was fun too. Yeah, trigger. That's what it's called. But that was really fun too. Um, but man, Narumi, he's that guy, man. If I had to describe him, I would say he's like Bruce Lee meets James Bond, but he's dressed up as Michael Jackson. I mean, <laughs> this guy he full on like, does like the thriller spin. Yeah, like he's dressed like um, I forget which Michael Jackson song it was, but I think it was Bad. Yeah, <laughs> or yeah, that's it. Like that. Yeah, like he, he full on does like the spin and like holds his like. Best. <laughs> the only thing he didn't do was grab his crotch and say, <laughs> that was the only thing that he didn't do. That was full blown Michael Jackson. Uh, Man, yeah. I love this guy. No, because it's just like a very good little, like, here's our mystery. Oh, there's celebrities and death and trying to live like this, like, life of luxury. I really like it as like a little short film to show, because I don't normally like characters who are just cool, but it works just seeing like, how much younger like Shotaro looks when he's trying on the hat in the mirror and then mm-hmm. immediately like it's just like oh you're emulating this person the whole time this is who you're trying right. to live up to this whole time absolutely I thought that was really interesting too um but yeah how uh how long was the show out before this movie came out was it was this rather quickly or was this like the middle of the season so I think this like came out around like the early 10s like episode like 10 or 11 it's technically set between episodes 14 and 15, I guess. But a lot of these like movies don't super matter for the canon part, like um, for double more than most. But yeah, like I think this is like squarely in like the early chunk of the season. Yeah, I felt like this could have worked as the actual epilogue or right where it was at, like when it came out. Like it could have been the first episode leading into episode one or it could have worked like this. So that means this is good entertainment for sure. 
they did use the footage episode one, I think, for like him dying at least, which is good. Yeah, I was like, I don't really see them reenacting that scene. They probably just used the same footage and added some new stuff to it. But yeah, man, I, I yeah. freaking loved it. Thanks for the Christmas present. Yeah, it's a great Christmas little movie. Like I love um so the way that you see like um how they both interact with Soichi, like the boss, um, just like, oh, he names like Philip based off like Philip Marlowe. Like he, yeah, yeah, I forgot to bring that up. That was really cool too to see how Philip got his name. I I didn't even know. I thought it was just Philip for no apparent reason, but for them to go back and do that, that was that was amazing. And also, um, I it, it's just like very weird to me as someone who's like seen like all of the like series and post series for double how much of an asshole philip is early on <laughs> yeah i like that too it was a different take on philip he was kind of like didn't care about nothing and he was just like let's if you don't want to do it let me get you out of here you know what i mean and then for them to meet up where they first met and then transition into that whole story was great great writing and they just like fall into those characters so well the fact that they can play them one year younger but like looking like so much different is just a like big like it's like really amazing honestly like they can seem so different despite the fact that they're the same age like as actors you know yeah and i forgot to bring up uh akiko you know seeing her father after all these years and you know like uh she said she doesn't really remember him but one thing show always does is say like you should always take care of your client and that's why she was following that girl to the end because that's where her father wanted her to do. So that was pretty good writing too, to throw a Kiko's, you know, story in there. Yeah. And, um, for these, um, like they're filmed very early, like they're filmed around the time of like the early episodes. So it is wild that they just have such a good grasp of their characters at this mm-hmm. point to like play them differently, like not just how they are. Like, yeah. Really and you told me to like skip to the end and watch like the bonus, like blooper clips mm-hmm. and just to see them guys, <laughs> Uh, have fun on the set and just you know see how like everything's kind of filmed uh that was pretty fun too i really enjoyed the blooper part <laughs> it shows you that these are real people first actually what i want to talk about is what do you think happened in the part you weren't supposed to see with decade <laughs> bro i have no idea like i was i'm just watching it and i'm like looking at my watch i keep checking to see how much time i have left and i'm like I'm like, did I miss something? Which made me want to rewind a little bit earlier than wasting 30 minutes of my life on watching it. But I would say the, the that huge <laughs> fight scene was was pretty impressive. I'm like, oh shit. And I'm just waiting for a show or Philip to show up and like kind of like join these guys. But I was so lost because I don't know how these little joint movies work. So I thought like Philip and Show are gonna show up eventually. Uh you know, I thought it was like a crossover movie or something, but they never showed up. And that's when I had to message you. Yeah, there are some that are more crossover movies. For this, it was just like, oh, the actual crossover was we both see them riding on their bikes and they're like, oh, hey, what's up? And they fight together for a minute. But here's my stance. At some point, we are going to look at Comrade Decade. Um, I am the expert. I try to quantify things I say with this is what the community felt. This is what like this group felt. This was some consensus. Not try to like, like, like treat things like objective, except when it's like, oh, this is what what people kind of like seem with their feelings this time. But subjectively, I need to talk about Comrade Decade. <laughs> Go ahead, man. Look, I love Comrade Decade like a brother. Some of my, oh. some of my best friends are Comrade Decade. But what a fucking mess of a series! What like this move? Like Comrade Decade is a mess. This movie is the biggest mess comparatively 
I love cover a decade. You're great. <laughs> but what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, Bro, like I said, you like sometimes I'm wondering what the hell you got me watching. Like Fives, I never messaged you during five actually what you got me watching. But this I had to say something, bro. Like I'm the newcomer, so I'm down to like learn new things and try out new, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, camaraderie shows. But this had me so freaking confused, bro. Like I'm like, what the hell is going on? I do not want to watch this. This is horrible. But I'm glad that you, as the expert, uh, felt the same way. Camaraderie decade deserves so much credit for so many things. It like brought common writer into like a multiverse like interconnected like universe where like you could have people from different series hang out and interact it um dragged kicking and screaming the show that ended before zero one common rider zeo it like carried that show on its back for like 40 episodes he's a great character like sukasa who's shown up and tons of stuff but fuck is this movie so weird and i'll tell you like decade isn't complete like so (laughs) The plot device for a decade is that he's like this like nomad in the multiverse. So like his catchphrase is like, I'm just a passing through common writer. And like he's meeting all these characters, mm-hmm. but he's not even meeting like the real ones. Like he's like meeting like AR version. So like for a little like common writer Fies, for example, he meets this actor they found that kind of looks like Takumi, who is playing somebody who is kind of named like Takumi, who is kind of has similar things to to Takumi but is Fies in that world and like mm-hmm. it's kind of whatever but it gets by on the strength of just like he's this like hot asshole whatever and that's what he does but I like um look right now at like um he's the only person to ever do this which is in this gif that I posted general okay yeah just watch that gif <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me bro want to tell me what Oh my Let them know God. what you just saw in that gif. So it's a it's an image or a gift of uh what's his name? Sukasa. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. He's in his rider suit. He's just staring at the camera and then he deforms and he's wearing fucking sunglasses, takes them off and just stares into the camera. Like uh <laughs> this guy looks like a complete douche doing this. Like he's great. Like he's a great character, but he's also like try hard. His show was kind of a mess because it was like 30 episodes to the 50. It had like uh, this weird stuff where they brought in characters from like the old 70s shows for the first time, the modern stuff. Like it, it did a lot. Like he's also one of those like people who like, there's only one or two, but there's a couple of writers who like are better outside of their show than in it. Like you're like in a, like in their show, you're like, okay, you're here, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But then in the crossover, you're like, oh, this guy's really cool. I should watch his show again. And you're like, oh, wait, no, I shouldn't. But no, um, he's a great character and he totally works in his show and like in the wider world of Common Rider, he's great. But this movie, like this part of the movie war, it sucks. <laughs> it's, it's super convoluted, even as somebody who's seen all of Decade and like every appearance. It's a bad movie. And I'm sorry that you skipped right to it. Yeah, bro. Like I was I was almost about like, can we skip this on the pod? It was that bad. But before we move on to our dear Common Rider Zero One. Can you explain one thing about that? Uh, what I just watched. What was the whole collecting cards thing? I was like, what the? That, I think that's when I messaged you when he was like looking through his cards of other writers, I guess. So two things. First, um, the actual TV show for this show ended on a cliffhanger of like um, him being like surrounded by like the like other writers 
as they were about to kill him. And then it had a trailer for this movie. None of the scenes in the trailer for, for that movie are in this movie. Like the trailer that showed at the end of his series had like a whole thing of like an evil decade showing up that was like dark and stuff and like him dying in like a river or whatever. It doesn't happen in the movie that we see. So like this was definitely also done by seat of his pants. There's weird stuff like did, did, did you meet the girl that had like the um the ladybug boobs? Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw that. <laughs> that's, she was hot though. That's based off a character from like a 70s show that they brought back for dads and uncles, I guess, to be like, hey, remember this this character? Mm-hmm. But no, um, I think that so his gimmick is that um he uses cards that like are grayed out, but as he makes connections with the writers, um he has them like colored in and at that point he could use them to transform into the other riders. So he can like okay. become like common rider for like Fies after he's forged a connection with Fies. He can then put the card in his belt to become that rider. Okay, got you. That's what I kind of thought was going on, but I wasn't sure. So I wanted to double check with the expert first. But yeah, so um like a strong movie, like strong holiday. We should move over to Common Rider Zero One though. All right, and we're back to talk about Comrade Zero One, episodes fourteen through sixteen. Yeah, uh, we um changed our scope a little bit when we realized that a what was going to be happening in these episodes, like we'd have a big kind of plot arc. So we included episode sixteen this time, and yeah, what a good set of episodes. Yeah, all three episodes were pretty solid. I was trying to figure out which was the best one, and I still can't decide. But uh, man, this was a fun ride for sure. Yeah, let's start um, for like episode 14. I'd say episode 14, maybe the weakest of the bunch, but that's not condemnation. I couldn't pronounce things. Um, but it is um, episode 14. We are the Astronaut Brothers. So this is a fun little one. Like there, It has like a fun gag, I guess, to be like, we see like Aruto is like late for work. So he summons his motorcycle, but it messes up <laughs> the astronauts that are putting them back in. Yeah, I really didn't get what was going on until like the astronauts got mad. They're like, we're going down there. And I'm like, oh shit. Like, okay. So I guess these guys are human gears, like, you know, working for hidden intelligence. So that was pretty fun too. And I love these two characters, uh, Raiden and uh, Subaru, I believe their names were. Very fun characters. Um, When he takes off his um, like helmet in space and like his brother's like, put it back on. It's like, well, I don't need to breathe. (laughs) Yeah, that was pretty fun. And, uh, his personality kind of mirrors Fula's, which made it even more funnier. Mm-hmm. And uh, their interactions were pretty fun, too. It's kind of like looking yourself in the mirror and not liking what you see. <laughs> I honestly really love how part of the um, big meeting for Ames on like how to take down like Metsubo, like Jinra, is like Fua saying, we haven't found the thunder part of this. Like, um, like they translate to Extinction Thunderclap and they're like, we haven't found the thunder part. Yeah, the that kind of unlocked a whole nother part of Mesubu Jinra that we had no idea even existed. The whole thunder part. So we're, I guess we're going to see some other parts of this arc in the next couple of episodes. Well, yeah, because um, like Raiden means thunder. Um, and like he turned out to be like a like sleeper agent, which is like interesting that like he didn't even know that he was working for them or part of. Yeah, them. like when they first said it was a spy. I kind of thought it was him, but how he got so mad about 
not being a spy, I kind of believed him. But when we find out that he's a spy that doesn't know he's a spy, <laughs> that was a fun little twist too. In their first fight, he like resists getting hacked and like that whole thing. But then um, he turns out that he's actually can use like the dodo key to become like a common rider. It's like, okay. Yeah, they freaking love that dodo key for sure. <laughs> they keep bringing that shit back up. He's common rider, common rider Ikazushi, which like is very literally the common rider thunder. He just beats the hell out of them for like a one episode like new character it felt like this is going to be like a major arc for this new character who's showing up and taking names yeah he was a little op at first but you know uh my guy showed up <laughs> and uh took his key <laughs> that was funny how that was set up too one small scene we got was actually um we see guy talking to yua about um how he's so interested because now it's time to start like the new mythology the mythology of common writers of the new age and what do you think yeah, of that? Yeah, when he first said that, I, I still don't exactly know what he was trying to get at. And I don't think we're supposed to know yet. I think it's just left up for the imagination. But uh, this guy is starting to turn into like the major villain of this series. Just going like full like Gendo like Akari. Just like, yeah, we're going to start <laughs> the new gospel right now. Have fun. Yeah, this guy has everything planned out. Like he has the, <laughs> the death, death note. <laughs> yeah. When... Fua and like Rudo get like beat by like uh, the like new common rider. Most of their keys get stolen, and he's like can now activate the arc and make a new one. Yeah, that was an awesome scene. Him just you know picking up keys, putting them in his belt, and like he just does like uh, the spirit ball motion and like kind of like connects to the satellite and reactivates the arc. That was an amazing scene visually. And I like how um, my favorite part of the episode might have been um, how Fua's like. That's a wolf key. It's mine. <laughs> yeah, man. I love Fua, man. Like, I was kind of hard on him at the beginning, but just his, like, don't give a fuck attitude is starting to grow on me for sure. And that suit, bro, one of the best suits of the series so far. I freaking love the Assault Wolf suit. Yeah, like his, like, uh, it's an upgrade form or super form. I think it's an upgrade form. It just looks very strong. Whereas, um, like, Shining Hopper's, like, Ultra Instinct, it's more, like, just can take a lot of hits and like do lots of damage, which is mm-hmm. fine. And it, it just like beats the crap out of this common rider who is just took down both of them. So while we're here, before we move on to the next episode episodes, cause we know what happens. Would you say at this point, the salt wolf is stronger than shining hopper or would you say vice versa? I think they're both meant to be like on the same level. Like it's kind of almost like um, who's the better super Saiyan almost like that kind of conversation. I think right. that, they have been like unlike a lot like compared to some like previous series they're different which is a lot to say like like shining hopper looks like stronger than like a normal form but also it seems much more about its like predictive ability whereas like you see um like assault wolf just no cell massive hits and like do massive damage in a way that like shining hopper doesn't so i think they're going to be different but like equal yeah, I was just under the impression that Assault Wolf was stronger because it takes a toll on, you know, Fua so much. And Shining Hopper doesn't really affect uh, Aruto so much. But they explained it that it's because it's not supposed to be his key that is damaging him like that. But I was just under the impression that it was so powerful that he really couldn't uh, hold up the energy. But they explained why he coughs up blood every time he uses it. Yeah. What do you think about that when like, he just starts like, coughing up blood after winning? <laughs> Yeah, it was shocking at first because uh, just like the visceral feeling of, you know, him coughing up blood and 
I'm wondering, is this going to be the last time he uses suit? But we know it's not because of toys, you know, <laughs> but uh, just uh, to see him, you know, using to start coughing the blood was kind of shocking. We're in such a weird space, I think, like I was like, um, Western fans would be like, yeah, like he has to keep coughing up blood to sell toys to like kids. <laughs> yeah. OK, fair enough. There's just yeah. like different standards here. <laughs> yeah, he's going to keep coughing up blood to you know make that money for them toys so get ready for more blood unless they figure out a way to convert it to actual you know progress key i do hope that um we see more of comrade um comrade Higazuchi. uh it's a fine suit it looks great i can't pronounce it for shit but it's a great looking suit yeah i'm glad you pointed out that in the last episode that it was actually a rider instead of a uh a mag a magier but um I didn't know that, uh, you know, uh, human gear or my gear could actually turn into riders, but, uh, that was a good twist to have another rider show up. And, uh, that was fun. It was a debut of, you know, uh, Kamarader, I'm a butcher's name, Ikazuchi. Yeah. And, uh, the assault wolf in the same episode. That was a, that was an awesome episode. And it was kind of weird to hear you call it a weaker episode. We got the debut of, you know, two new, two new suits. It's not weak, just like it's like a not the strongest of the three is what I meant, or like it's not as amazing as like the next two. Which um, let's look towards um towards fifteen or the end of each. Yeah. This is kind of where this little arc that is like being led into episode fourteen, but also we get kind of what feels like a season finale, like part one here. We start the episode with Ames just going, "It's time for a raid," <laughs> like it's time to take down like. this whole faction you know yeah that statement kind of lets you know the whole tone of this episode coming up and this is a fun episode we got to see you know jen approaching singularity and you know it was uh the early scene when we saw him actually you know make a barrel ceremony for his fallen soldiers assassin and uh raiden which uh i think that's the first time we actually seen anything like that on this uh on this series so far like for uh a magier a human gear to actually create a burial ceremony so that was uh interesting scene to see jen do that of all the characters yeah and um i liked how um hirobi came in and said hey what are you doing that's a human thing they serve their purpose let's go like fight like it's like a like valuable piece because i'm sure it's buried somewhere for like later in the series if they're like we got to have somebody like in this suit again or whatever i don't know and this like starts off hot because we get the big like two super forms like versus like the two villains fight at the very start of the like episode the big moment i think is that um we see um fua is able to uh to take out um or kill um to kill hirobi which is surprising oh yeah like for hirobi to actually jump in and save jen from that hell of a move that was a sick move and for hirobi to step in and uh save Jen, even though we know it's not really genuine, he said it was the arch plan because <laughs> Hirobi has no emotions. I fucking love Hirobi. But to just see him like save uh, Jen to uh, have him move on with the plan was actually kind of touching. But when he said it's the arch plan to have you upset because I died, <laughs> kind of took the emotion yeah. out of it. <laughs> but like um, he took two super form like finishers back to back, which is yeah, a lot. yeah. Yeah, he took the blaster first, right? And then he came in and took the kick, which is the most damage we've seen Hirobi take all series. I thought he was a little bit 
I wouldn't say a little bit OP, but he was always head and shoulders above everybody else's. And uh, I felt the time was coming whenever we got the shining hopper suit. I was ready for uh, Hirobi and uh, Aruto to fight it out. But this episode, he got dealt with pretty easily. <laughs> and his face was all like half destroyed. And just that whole scene where um, Jin taking him as half of his face is exposed and he's bleeding. And just walking with him into like the pond as he's dying. Yeah, they uh, they brought the fills with that. I actually kind of felt sorry for messing with Jinrai. But uh, not after they fucking try to kill my girl Izu. I'm like, whoa, we're going a little bit too far with this shit. Like, Arobi, Izu. I'm like, yo, this is going a little bit too fast paced for me. We got to slow this shit down. She maybe deserved it because in my favorite scene of anything so far, she gets 10 feet away from Jin and says, ha, this guy's dead. Ha ha. (laughs) And then like he says, did you really? Yeah, that wasn't too smart. That wasn't too smart at all. He's like grieving and like props to like the team in production for putting one of their suits that they spent thousands of dollars on and just having that person walk somebody into a pond. Like (laughs) that shows that like they care about the story enough to put their suits in that kind of like position where it might be more damaging. You know, getting caught up watching a show and not realizing that this is actually real. To for you to explain it like that, that is pretty impressive for them to like put their suit through that. They probably dr- uh, dried it off so fast. <laughs> like, oh, we gotta get this shit clean real quick. Hold up, <laughs> cut. But um, we see Hirobi die, and we see a like spear in the chest for like Izu, and she's like down. And yeah, this is the wild way to start this whole thing <laughs> to say, oh, our main villain's down. He got like his face blown off. We get the news that Aruto might be like taking off his company. There's a lot going on here. Like this feels like the end of a season again. Yeah, per usual, you know, Aruto's about to lose his company. That's been like one of the main plot lines throughout this whole season. But uh, yeah, it was a really fun episode. Um, we got two potential deaths, uh, and uh, you know, like the hidden intelligence plot line, and it was overall a really good episode. And then again, we have um, in there like Guy, and he's like, you lot will forge like a new legend, the legend of the age of common writers. It's like, okay, you got some like ambitions and some designs beyond us at this point, and to have things under control, even as this like final battle's heating up. The scene where Jin, I guess, is just so good at being um, like a real person that he can make an army for himself to fight, and he just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then out comes... <laughs> Shining Assault Hopper. Um, probably the most OP suit we've seen so far. I mean, to even put these two suits together was pretty pretty amazing. I mean, I don't think anybody can stop that suit. Yeah, because it's just like the two satellites. It's like two different power-ups at once. It's like a fusion form is what they're called. Small note, um, when Fua collapses after like that second fight in the episode like versus like the big army, Yua just takes his gun and is like dual-wielding. <laughs> like okay there you go yeah was so was was this the episode when she like kind of like took the uh key out of his gun to like save him was that okay that was a really cool episode because even though you know like from the last pod and the last few episodes we know that their partnership is kind of at odds because she's secretly working for another team she still cares about her partner that was really interesting to see her like actually care if he dies or not and you're right um like for shining like a salt hopper it's just so slick. It looks so powerful. 
and it's like a great kind of like end point to the episode and we probably would have been mad if we'd stopped here and been like okay just one more episode <laughs> till like this like finale of the first part yeah i'm glad you suggested to have 16 part of pod two because waiting you know two or three weeks to talk about this would have been way too long <laughs> yeah and then uh we like skip right to that fight like after we see like the transformation as the night turns to the morning and everything and they're fighting pretty evenly like it's a good fight but it's pretty clear that like for like a rudo he's losing at the, at the start so when the hell did jen get this strong like <laughs> he just got op as fuck out of nowhere i'm like how are you fighting shining assault hopper straight up like how like i don't understand like I know I'm being nitpicky with this stuff and, you know, like I shouldn't be asking questions like this, but he was getting handled by Yaiba by herself. And now all of a sudden, because he's pissed off that his quote unquote father died, he can handle shining a salt hopper. I, I was like, wow, he should at least got a power up or something after that. Maybe join a Hirobi suit with Jens. That would have been a really cool combo or something like that. But I don't know, man. How'd you feel about that? I kind of figure that um, like being the arc's chosen one slash like reaching singularity slash losing his father might have just been like a like power boost in like a way. Yeah, it's not like the most sense, but also it's like at enough of, a, of like a major plot point where it's nitpicky, but it like just kind of feels right, even if it's weird. Yeah, I, I call myself out being nitpicky, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Like I definitely like noticed that too, where I was like, yeah, that's that's a little weird, but maybe he just I got a power loved, boost from the arc. Yeah, I mean, like you know, you already have Aruto taking Fuwa's key and putting it into Shining Hopper. Why not have Arobi pass his key on a Jin, and then they fuse the suit too to become like an uh, even match for him? But I mean, I'm just saying, I'm not part of the writing team. I don't know anything. <laughs> I love the scene at the start where uh, he's losing, so he has like the vision of the cloud where he sees like the like glitching out like uh for izu and she's glitching out and then they just kind of um pinky promise to be with each other and to be all right and he makes his um it's my time to shine joke and they both do the aruto thing like together it's like (laughs) oh this feels like a season finale what are you doing yeah when they show that scene i kind of thought that was actually the end of izu because you kind of like told me like the christmas episode is usually when we lose like a main character or you know something like that and we did lose main characters yeah in this episode but i assumed they were going to like go that far and actually take easy out. but something told me that you know she's still backed up to the satellite so she could come back anytime she wants to but uh you know i mean that's how they set it up and that's good writing and then from there he like shows the like true power of the form where he keeping the comparison to he went from just having ultra instinct for dodging to now he has it for attacking with that weird like crystals that can shoot lasers and like fight like automatically. And he yeah, what's it called? The shining was it shining forks or something like that? The, the shine system, I think. Shine system, yeah. It kind of reminded me of like watching Gundam. I forget yeah. which Gundam it was, but it was like a shield and it attacked, and it was like so cool to watch. And this was a really cool scene too to see him like actually put it into use. Hopefully, we see it again. Um, I'm not sure how often he could use an OP suit like this, but it was cool. It was a Christmas gift to us. I kind of think that this might be like a protected form. And by that, I mean, like, um, it's only going to show up a couple times when it's important, like even at a point where they might have stronger suits. It's like this is like a desperate fusion 
So I guess I it's so. going to be like a, yeah. I hope so, man. And then we just get some like, oh, the story's over, we guess. Let's like pick up the pieces because he kills Jin like full on. We see him die. Yeah, Jin's gone. That was it. Blew up and everything. No remains. But that was a great origin story for Jin, though. <laughs> to like reach singularity like that. But it was short lived. That would have been a great origin story if he would have survived that attack. And I was convinced that the way they would do it, which most stories would do this way, is the next generation character, like Jin, is the one who survives after like the fall of his father figure. But instead to have it be, oh, here's this like failed father figure after like the son has died. That's interesting and different. Because like we see that Hirobi is being held by Ames after Metsu Bojinger got taken down. And he's not gonna just be there. He's like there's gonna be something like even if for a while it's just like introspective or like in conversation with him being at Ames. Oh yeah. Once I saw his body, I'm like, oh, they're gonna bring him back. And then at the end of the episode, we saw his eyes light up. So I'm like, okay, he's definitely gone. But just like you said, I thought that was the end of Hirobi and like this was like Jin Jin's era now. It's kind of like his turn to like take over the mantle of the face of Miss Bujinrai. But uh they did the inverse, which was like you said, it was d- definitely different. I didn't really see them taking out Jin so early. We see Izu get revived. We see the board meeting where everyone's like, no, like you fought like terrorist Aruto, like we're not gonna like vote you out. Speaking of this fucking vice president guy, get this dude out of my face. He's so fucking annoying, bro. Like, ugh. I hate this character so much, man. I fucking hate this character so much. Like, I was just scratching my head. Get the fuck out of here. Aruto is too naive, bro. He needs to be more of a savage. Though, speaking of a savage, um, guy in this episode, he steps over Hirobi's <laughs> body. Not even steps over. He steps on Hirobi's body to pick up two keys and say, all right. Like, he shows up at the end to say, I'm buying, like, the company. He's yeah, what he say? Like, it's a yeah. T.O.B. And Aruto's yeah. like, what's a T.O.B.? Takeover bid. And like in the preview for next time, we see him being like, I'm going to prove that my human gears are better human gears. Like, okay. He's very much like, seems like he's trying to just prove superiority more than even just win. He's trying to prove how much of a win he has. Like a real asshole. I will say this. You have to respect the guy that could pull off a turtleneck. Like (laughs) he definitely looks powerful with that turtleneck on. I'm I'm not going to lie. He looks a little intimidating. (laughs) And, um, we do see that like when Yua realizes he's been playing this whole thing, oh, like I'm not sure if he orchestrated it all, but he definitely anticipated and planned for it. She's pissed. You can see her like shaking. And honestly, like that's kind of a like good bit because I like do want her to have like her redemption, you know? Yeah, like we've been talking about it over the course of this pod that she's been taken advantage of and she doesn't know what she's getting herself into. But I think the trigger or what triggered her was finding out that her and fool were putting their lives on the line just to fucking move this plot along for him and she's like i could have fucking died out there like obviously showing that he doesn't give a fuck about nobody as long as he could take over you know hidden intelligence and get his own human gears out there and i feel like uh this is going to usher in like her betraying him in some kind of way um and becoming like actually a full-on member of of uh our team and she mentioned stuff like yeah, and then like Fuo was hurting his body trying to fight them, and like after like he mentions that like they took down Metsubajinra very easily, he's like, "Oh yeah, it's fine." Like he might be permanently like damaged internally, but <laughs> my plan's at nine hundred and nine percent, nine hundred and ninety nine percent. I'm like, shut the fuck up. 
what I felt, um, barring that scene at the end where Fua and the Garuto like fought those two new like human gears that are definitely from Zaya. If I had to guess like thousand percent now Zaya is like the main villain and like making like um the Magiers. Um barring that though, like these three episodes made me think that um for Yua, I think she's definitely looking to break good and maybe that won't work for her. But Fua is definitely like seems like he's like like on the path to breaking bad. He just has really yeah. He is so willing to do violence. He is so willing to like hurt himself for power. He like just the the way that he's just consumed by rage. Hmm. I never got that kind of vibe from him, but I think you're I think you're onto something, man. A lot of like secondary common writers that like are like the other main character of the show, like Fua is like to Ardo. They don't get along, and they have like fight scenes and they like will fight like each other to like the death and that kind of stuff like there have been seasons that have ended with like two characters like just fighting to the death as like their last battle even um i'm not saying that happens here but it was a little odd to me how quickly they got over their like their animosity and i think that he's like taken like a darker tilt since his power up and the rage of like fighting to that level but um do you think using that uh that key could have like sparked transformation or sped it up i would be surprised if like it maybe was pushing him like even if it likes like it's not a direct effect maybe it's even just the fact that he's more powerful as part of it or that he like solved one of his long-standing problems of taking out like the person who's responsible for killing his dad like just like made him think well i guess being mad and tearing things open is a solution to everything like if you think about it right now it's being set up that the terrorists are gone, but the human gears are still going berserk. And that's all Hidden's fault. And that's all Aruto's fault. I could totally see Fua being persuaded to like think of Aruto as a genuine threat now that like there's no outside threat. So you don't see him turn to the point that he joins Zaya, do you? Honestly, I think that like we see full on like Ames and Zaya beat the shit out of Aruto and then like having like maybe like it's Yua that says this is too far and then maybe she gets like hurt or killed and that's maybe what like turns him around or turns things around but honestly I see her helping Aruto and like turning to that team as much as I see like Fua being very easily persuaded to like do violence with his like newfound power with like very little prodding once he thinks that like human gears are still a threat and if that can be linked to Aruto and guy is perfect at doing that guy seems perfectly suited. So like putting that so you like, think, wedge. So pretty much you think that he's going to trade puppets like uh, Yaiba is going to transition into being Aruto's right hand man. And then uh, Fu is going to transition into being guy's right hand man. Not exactly. Like I just think that guy has all the pieces to perfectly make Fu hate Aruto. And it, also that like Yua just seems to be on the path of hating like both Guy and Zaya. And I think like they're both things that could like intersect, definitely. Yeah, I think you're on to something. That makes a lot of sense. Cause Fu was just so mad these episodes. Yeah, he was like, I thought you had an end to this. And like we haven't really seen them disagree in a lot of episodes. They've been kind of buddy buddy for the most part, but he seemed like he's pretty upset about it still being my gears on the street. So we'll see next episode. Honestly, if like you say there has to be a couple like a like part of a season where these two characters fight, 
it's almost more impactful if they get along before they don't, you know? Mm -hmm. So overall, this is kind of a big turning point. I think we've reached what I've said a few times is what feels like a season finale for Kamen Rider Zero One. Uh, we still have two thirds of the show to go, but what do you think so far? And like, what do you think going forward? Like I kind of already said my main thoughts, but I mean, uh, sitting on episode 16, I mean, I'm, I'm still enjoying the show. Uh, it hasn't been that many bad episodes for the most part of it. It's been a lot of enjoyable episodes. And uh, this is a show that I look forward to watching week to week. I mean, um, for me, this is like, you guys know, this is my first Kamen Rider show that I've watched this much of, and I'm really enjoying it. And just to be part of this culture and to finally start diving into more conversation and more theories and, you know, more talking to points about this genre. I'm really enjoying being a part of this community of, uh, you know, Toku. Been a very good show. And I really do want to um, stress that there's a lot of really interesting like places to go in Toku, but this is just a really great grounding. It's just so back to basic, even compared to last year. Cause um, if we, or like when we look at the show from last year, um, there's definitely going to be a conversation about all the ways it kind of floundered and had to find itself. This is just a show that had such simplicity and confidence the whole time. And I'm glad that it seems like the focus and like the tone might be changing because it has like just put like a very fine point on a very good arc for these characters so far. Yeah, you made a good point. Like when I first started watching the show, uh, even thinking back to all the way to episode one, when we had Arudo just making jokes all the time and uh, I was, I wouldn't say I was complaining about the CG, the CGI, but um, I was questioning myself, like, what the hell did I get into? But these last three episodes of, alone have been pretty much adult content. Like, we have people dying, people getting slashed, uh, you know, things, stakes are starting to light up. So this is, this has really been fun. And the progression of the show uh, has been impressive so far. And too, I think that uh, there's definite things like that you like get used to where you're like, oh. You know the CG is not going to be great, so like you don't notice as much because right. there's like mm -hmm. another most of the like good looking fighting on like the actual suits or whatever. Like I don't mind like the jokes because there's character to care about. Yeah, I was just going to bring that up because like now I realize that the jokes are supposed to be corny and it's supposed to be eye rolling as part of the character. He wants to be a comedian and he's not <laughs> that funny, but you know his attempts are what's funny at trying to make people laugh and. Uh, I mean, I love the chemistry between these characters. A lot of them complement each other pretty well. And uh, the villains so far have, have been really, really interesting. And um, it's so fun to theorize about what's the next step for the show. Um, what could possibly be like a plot twist or whatever. Like, it's just so much fun to like just talk about the show. One thing that happens a lot um, when you get to the end, and we're a far, like, we are a far way from it. But when you get to the end of a The Common Rider show is that in the final battles, there is a major just personal sacrifice, like maybe not done personally by the main character, but like there are plenty of examples where like the end of a series is okay, and I've parted ways with my friends um in order to like stop this villainy or like I've had to give this thing up about my life. So right now, like I'm wondering, just like based on what we know, what do you think could be the big sacrifice, that big play for Aruto? What do you think he could give up? for the good of others that might hurt himself in the, in the end. This is like a more heady question, but based on what we've seen. I mean, the only thing I could think of off the top of my head without really, you know, putting too much effort into it. 
I mean, it's been in front of our face the whole series, and it would have to be his company, right? I mean, he wants his company to stay, you know, part of his family. It's passed on to him, and ever since the beginning, it's always been a threat or threatened to be taken away from him. So I feel like maybe he would have to just give the company away and put it into somebody else's hands and, you know, not be the CEO anymore. I feel like that's been teased enough so far that it could possibly be his sacrifice if it's not his life. Um, or I don't really see anything else, but I know we still haven't really unlocked the mystery behind Arudo. And, uh, I forgot to mention that they did bring up his Huma gear father, mm -hmm. which came to my attention that he never brings up his actual biological father. So maybe that's a plot line that transitioned into him having to sacrifice something, or mm. maybe he actually sacrifices left his, uh, his life and becomes a human gear himself. So I don't really, I don't really know. What do you think? Have you seen the movie her? Yes. Know how that ends with like the AI going off into space and having to leave humanity. Mm -hmm. That is my prediction. I think that the ending of this is like, you see like Izu saying, okay, me and all of the human gears intelligence are now leaving. We must go to space or we must go to this place. or we must go into storage for a hundred years or something. So they don't want to be part of humanity anymore. It's the only way to save. I'm not even sure if it's like, a don't want to, it's just like have to like leave or like be on their own, like almost like a Dr. Manhattan thing. Like I'm wondering if like my feeling for the end is, he realizes he has to kind of have like a bittersweet parting with like human gears. I can see that happening. Maybe at some point in the series, like all human gears reach singularity. That seems to be the ultimate goal for all the human yeah. gears that we've seen so far. And maybe they all reach singularity and they're like, we want to start our own civilization. That'd be a cool ending too. Yeah. So we go into space. Yeah. And uh, for next time, actually, um, we're going to go like a little lighter and we're going to talk about, um, a series that is totally toku absolutely we're not just messing with you but for next time we're doing an episode on the mandalorian yeah i know um it's really important uh that this small indie japanese series about martial arts gets its due is the mandalorian toku yeah. uh he keeps his helmet on <laughs> yeah part. is that technically toku i mean he's wearing a belt he rode a bike one episode. It was a speedster. It's a space bike. So I guess so. He has a blaster. He used weapons. I guess it's Toku. Yeah, Baby Yoda's kind of like... It's Japanese inspired, inspired for sure. I mean, that's where Star Wars got their ideas from. So uh, yeah, this Americanized Toku. Okay. Um, we said that um, Kamen Rider is somebody who wears a mask and rides things. He wears a mask and spaces things. So he's... Yeah, totally. Toku. We're not at all just doing one of the mandalorian but no <laughs> yeah we're reaching a little bit but it's, it's gonna be a fun pod you guys should definitely join and that will be spoiler heavy we're gonna talk about the whole first season we're gonna talk about um everything like even like the major kiss scene with snoke and the mandalorian where they kiss with lots of tongue that's gonna happen we're, we're gonna talk about that yeah so this the season is only eight episodes and they're 30 to 40 minutes each long so you guys have plenty of time to binge the whole season. The last episode airs this week. So by our next pod, you guys should be able to catch up by then. If not, this pod would always be online. You can, It's easy to find. So whenever you have time to finish it, make sure you come back and check it out if you're not watching The Mandalorian. But we'll always be here forever. <laughs> We're going to talk about um, how he also kisses the gonk droid. We're going to talk about 
how he kisses Wedge Antilles. Talk about how he kisses. Uh, who's another Star Wars? Uh, Salacious Crumb. He's going to kiss him all next maybe time. Maybe by the next, maybe the uh, finale is when he takes off his helmet for the first time. We still haven't seen his face yet, guys. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure on that one. Like, keep it. Oh, no. You know he's going to take it off at some point. It's Pedro Pascal. He has to show that pretty face. He has a dedication. Like, I think he could manage it. Speaking of, I just read an article a couple of weeks ago that said it's not him in a suit 60% of the time. So <laughs> it's just his voice, which is very interesting. But it's something that's been done in Star Wars before, so it's not surprising at all. But it's kind of like hearing Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> but, uh, I mean... I think we'll see his face eventually. Uh, I probably. I wish we didn't, but probably we're going to see it. Yeah. I mean, you're paying this guy how much for just his voice? He has to show up to work every now and then. <laughs> Though, honestly, who knows? Um, I hope that um, I don't know what they're going to do with Baby Yoda. If they're ever going to be like growth spurt or whatever. I don't know. But no, next time we are like going to talk about the whole first season. Of- they arise about the next, you know. Next phase of Star Wars and Baby Yoda, Teen Yoda, all that fun stuff. So definitely check us out. And all the fun kissing in space right here <laughs> at Common Ride With Me. And speaking of right here at Common Ride With Me, how can people find you online, James? You can find me at PopcoltNet on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And also, if you want to privately message me, you can DM me or you can email me at PopcoltNet at gmail.com. How about you, James? And you could find me at James Forge on Twitter. And you can email the pod or to find us. Um, it is podcast at commonridewithme.com and on Twitter at commonridewith. And uh, just to close out, um, first off, thanks as always to Berserk for these of our theme song, Comrade Love Song. And um, what is one thing that you need to have every year for the holidays, James? Like one piece of media, one piece of food. What is it? Hmm. That's a good question. Nobody's ever asked me that before. Uh, that's a tough question, bro. Um, I would be cheesy and say my loved ones. <laughs> you always need to hear from your family at least once or twice during the holidays, or it just doesn't feel right. But you know, physical stuff, materialistic stuff, I don't really need any of that. But I do need to hear from my family around this time because it just wouldn't feel right. How about you, man? Uh, it makes me seem even more like a dirtbag because all I wanted to say was I need to watch that Folgers incest commercial. <laughs> the what? Oh, it just sounds funny. That's why I laughed. I have no idea. What You've never heard about. of Folgers the Folgers. Blood. You should just, you always have these gems. Like you got so many gems to send me. Yeah. Google Folgers brother, sister. Let me know what you think. It's a gift or a full commercial. It's a full commercial. It's like a, like a minute long. <laughs> this is so weird. <laughs> Whoa! Is this like a Cersei and Jamie Lannister type relationship we got here? That I'm, was fucking creepy. I'm glad that you <laughs> knew exactly the right read of it. So this is like from ten years ago, 2009. It's, oh my god! There's t- so it became a huge thing on Tumblr and like fan fiction websites. It's called Folgercest. <laughs> Yo, that was so disturbing. That was a real commercial they aired. <laughs> oh if you're not God. aware, there's a Folgers commercial where a brother returns from West Africa mission work or whatever. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he, his sister's there. And they just look like they're about to bone the whole time. And it's so They would have if their parents didn't wake up. The parents woke up and it ruined everything. <laughs> and like college humor did like an extended version of it like a few years ago. <laughs> but no. So you have your loved ones and I have my shit posting to warm us <laughs> on the holidays. Oh, man. I'm glad that you immediately got it. Because if you didn't understand <laughs> how weird that was, I would have felt so weird. Nah, I definitely read it the right way. Yeah. The only way, actually. And also, nothing seems more like skeezy sex is about to happen than the best part of waking up. <laughs> and when she said, you're my present, I'm like, whoa. And I never call my siblings my present. Like, what the fuck? I never look at my siblings and bite my lip. I got you something. That's exactly how he said it. <laughs> yeah. No, there's like tons of like spoofs and like versions and yeah. <laughs> but no. That could have easily been fixed if they wouldn't have put the brother and sister part at the beginning. Too much sexual chemistry for a brother and a sister in a coffee commercial. That's my review. Yeah. But no. Um, as always, happy holidays and peace. Merry Christmas. Oh, peace, oh, guys. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, shit. <laughs>